0: Intro
1: and a whole song. Right. You're gonna hate this. You're actually probably gonna hate this I okay. okay, okay, okay. Another different. podcast up with the baby and the dog. <laughs> Family guy references you can enjoy while you jog. So get your popcorn for a podcast that is fun. Maybe this apple shoot Mason with a gun. It's something <laughs> unpredictable, but in Folks, the it end, it is right. Me. I hope you had the podcast of your life. Oh, so kind of see where we're going with this. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is this is great. This, yeah, is this is
1: excellent. I'm just gonna fuck everything up. Here we go. So take the sound bites and the parodies in your mind put them online for epic fails and good times (laughs) lots of fun guests and sometimes it's just the boys like today for what it's worth mason doesn't have cool toys it's something (laughs) unpredictable but in the end is right i hope you had the podcast of your life so now there's a big musical interlude where there's probably no lyrics for (laughs) about 45 seconds to a minute so
0: Yeah um, this is where everybody started Crying when it was using the graduation uh, Yeah
1: everyone's crying In the audience your aunt is Jacking it actually She's putting <laughs> something inside of her pussy Mom's pissed dad is, Dad's is. dad got his gun And he's shooting it up into the air It's really fucking insane Grandma and grandpa are choking I think here's a way right here. it Something good. unpredictable But in the end is right I hope you had the podcast of your life. And then we have a little sweeping crescendo. Come down with it a little bit. Maybe a little raisin for spice. It's something unpredictable, but in the end is fucked. I hope you got it out, or at least sucked. A little guitar to end it up.
0: Ring. two minutes and 34 seconds of just um pure inspiration thank you chef for that as always yeah man uh now moving on to the crew part of tonight's pro- uh program uh i am your host ira glass as always this is this american life with me today the funny talking baby noah marger yep no marger how are you doing tonight chef
1: Oh, Chef, you know me. Excited to be here on This American Life. Glad you guys have really uh, taken a page from the It's On The List playbook. And you guys are doing song parodies at the top of the show. When yes. did you guys decide to start doing that, Ira?
0: Um, last week.
1: Wow, last week. Really? <laughs> That's when you decided to start doing it? That's amazing. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Was that because of the parody from last week, which I can't remember what it is off the top of my head at all, or was that just like a long building thing in your mind where you are like, okay, we'll do it next week? This is well, the last week.
0: week was the first week I heard the podcast.
1: Oh, okay, and, very cool.
0: And I thought this is this is cool, and we have to um, we have to we have to do this on the show now.
1: Well, Ira, I got one question for you. Yeah. What fucking took you so long? <laughs> 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 what took you so fucking long, you dumb bitch? Hey,
0: I, hey guys, this is Mason. I'm sorry. I, I, Ira Glass got into my room again. Usually, we get him out before um, the podcast starts recording. Yeah. Uh, he's a poster, as we all know. But, um,
1: Well, it's interesting because we used to record. We used to sublet from Marin. And then when we, we went did. virtual, I was like, well, I, you, one of us could probably get Ira Glass's space, right? It's not, it couldn't be yeah, that hard. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I'm in Chicago, and This American Life was uh, initially through WBEZ, which is Chicago Public Radio. Maybe.
1: Oh, is that true? I didn't
0: know that. Uh, yes, actually. Um, I don't think they were distributed, but it was produced first through uh, that. I actually saw Ira Glass at the Music Box Theater. Um, oh, shit. Because he um, – my friend Saban uh, brought me uh, – said, hey, Mason, let's hang out. Sleepwalk With Me is going to be playing at the music box, and Ira Glass is going to intro uh, the movie and do a Q&A. And I was like, that sounds cool.
1: Ira was Glass was going to do a Q&A for the movie? Yeah, because he was a producer on the movie. Oh, that's right. Sleepwalk it Sleepwalk With it Me. Was, it was in This American Life story before yeah, the movie. Yeah. That's right. I forgot. I used to be so big on Berbiglia, dude. I used to love Berbiglia. Not as big on him yeah. anymore, but like, yeah. early it's- college, mwah, that's the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Now my parents are big on, like, Burbiglio. Like, one of the last times, one time when I was home, I can't remember if it was on a trip back or when I had, like, moved back earlier, What like, last year already, um, oh. we watched his newest special about him being a parent, and I just, nothing happened for me with that, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but this guy's my parents' comedian now, because uh, only two people in this room right now, including me and my sister,
1: have kids <laughs> dude it's like kind of crazy sometimes watching comedy with your parents early on in quarantine i watched the uh new jerry seinfeld uh netflix special uh-huh. fucking atrocious just like uh, dear it's like this guy is literally worth almost a billion dollars and i think something just happens to you when you're almost worth a billion dollars where you're just like dealing with problems that most people will never even dream of having in their whole life.
0: You're Yeah. 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 You're usually, if you're making close to a billion dollars, you're usually a comedian in the car getting coffee. Oh
1: fuck dude. Taking him down. bam, <laughs> 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 No,
0: but it's like, it, and I'm rewatching Seinfeld. I'm getting very close to the end and I'm taking, um, I'm usually w- watching it on my Saturday shifts. Sure. Um, and so, and I don't have a ton of like attachment to like late Seinfeld, but early Seinfeld was always being rerun and Seinfeld wasn't the first comedians that I like was aware of and listened sure. to. So he's a big guy, like a, a big guy for me. Uh, and unless he's like, the only time I care about Jerry Seinfeld now is if he's like around Norm Macdonald for any reason. Like if he's <laughs> around, if like, if like Norm is talking with Jerry Seinfeld, I'm like, cool. I want to listen to what these two guys have to say, you know, have, like have this you is seen Norm's
1: of... show on Netflix.
0: Uh, I have. Yeah. I like it.
1: I watched the episode with Lauren Michaels, and I watched the episode with Drew Barrymore. Mm. Very different vibes <laughs> from <Yeah. laughs> both of those folks. Drew Barrymore, dude, she was like seven years old when she was in ET, and I did not realize that, that until they said yeah. something. That's fucking crazy. That's that should be illegal. Yeah. She's still a, she's like a young woman. She is, you know, like probably not even 40 years old as far as I could tell. Because what? And it's it's like it's like
0: she's the little girl. She's the little girl in E.T. and she's seven years old. She's probably
1: over 40. But yeah, no, keep going.
0: Yeah. No, no. no. And then like growing up and I wasn't around for this, but you would hear about like her her issues with like her her drug problems and stuff like that, like her kind of like wilderness years. And then you realize, wait a minute. She was like 20 when all of that was happening. Yeah. I've been 20. That's nuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You could have had your Drew Barrymore wilderness period already, dude. That's you. Well, I did, and it was when I lived in Los Angeles, but we don't have to talk about that now. Yeah. You were hanging out with, um, what was the name of the guy in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Rick Dalton. You were hanging out with Rick Dalton, right?
0: Yes. Yes, I was hanging out with Rick Dalton. The
1: guy's a fucking loser. Sorry. I didn't mean that. It's, a- <laughs> it's,
0: <laughs> it's official, old buddy my
1: ass, <laughs> man. Oh, my ass, man. What? Cliff oh, Booth? Is that his buddy's name? Is that Brad Pitt's yes, name? Yeah, that's,
0: that's Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He was great in that movie. That was definitely my favorite part. Of he was. Part and of David Fincher.
0: Did you see that David Fincher, like, helped him, helped punch up his, like, award speeches? That no.
1: Were... That's crazy. Yeah,
0: Really? Yeah, he was, yeah it, was, it was like a pre-Mank, uh, in the pre-Mank days uh, Okay, like sure, a, the, yeah, the
1: illustrious pre-Mank days of Fincher Right,
0: right, right, there was like a Brad Pitt interview where like they were talking to him about David Fincher as part of a profile I don't know, I just saw it get shared around that Brad Pitt was talking about how David Fincher is like He's exactly who you think he'd be if he's watching a movie He's just like, I don't know where they're doing that decision That's crazy, blah, 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 you know, you know. Sure Applying his tactician's mind at all times
1: um, Dude, <laughs> and we he, we thank him for it, though, at the, at the end yeah, of the day, because that's sure. what we love about him.
0: That is. It truly is. And he had, uh, and Brad had said, like, um, you know, but he's, like, a really funny guy and a good hang, and he, like, helped him write his awards ceremonies, his, like, award speeches that whole year when he was, uh, when he got nominated for Cliff Booth.
1: Well, she, they're, like, buddies at this point, because he's been in Seven. He was in Fight Club. Fight Club he was in he Benjamin, was Benjamin Button
0: was Benny Butts.
1: Was he in anything else or is that, it was just those three? I think that's
0: it because it's after Benny Butts its Social Network wasn't in that, he wasn't in Dragon Tattoo, he was not in
1: Gone Wasn't in Gone Ben Affleck is like, I bet you if that movie was made in like the late 90s, Bad, Brad Pitt is playing Ben Affleck, Nick Dune in that movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, Nick Dunn.
1: Dunn, excuse Nick me, Dunn. excuse me, excuse me, Mason, that no, I don't. didn't know if it was Dunn or Dune because no, sometimes to- it's Dunn and sometimes it's Dune, and yep. that's fine. That's fine.
0: That's fine. We support both. Listen, whether you're done, whether you're Dune, whether you're Dean, whether you're Done.
1: Mason. If you want, it's on the list. Not only, not only am I uh, Dune with you, I'm done with you. Welcome to it's hey, on the woo! list, the podcast about underrated movies, music, and much, much more. I'm, of course. The funny talking baby and with me is always Sleepy Joe Biden aka the funny talking dog aka Ira Glass aka Mason McGuire. What's Thank up you. Mason? Thank you. That wasn't even my
0: best Ira Glass. I could have done a better Ira Glass, but it's the one I committed to at the top and that's what we did. So It's like when you're uh,
1: singing the Star-Spangled Banner and you start too high, you got to stick yeah. with it, you know.
0: Yeah. Or you just you got to turn it into a riff, honestly. Okay.
1: Yeah, you from all your experience singing the National Anthem at the <laughs> yes, Bulls games, Yes, yes, you're, yes. You're, you're mainly the guy doing it at the Bulls games, right? Yes,
0: yes, yes, I am. And I'm in the Benny the Bull costume the whole time, too. Oh, man, they, fucking, they
1: throw, it's like, please welcome the world-class tenor, Mason McGuire, to the stage, and they bring you out, you fucking riff on the National Anthem, everyone's going ape shit, they're loving it, yeah, yeah, and then they're like, "Okay, put him, put him in the bowl costume." <laughs> and then they watch you. Put him you, in
0: the bowl. Put him in the bowl. Put put in the in bowl. The bowl. And then they just yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they
1: watch you like Frankenstein you into the bowl costume, and you're like, "Don't be in there!" And then you go in there anyway.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what happens. Even during quarantine, we do it all wearing masks and socially distanced.
1: Whoa! Uh, they're yay. putting you in. They're putting you in the bowl. Socially distanced sounds like yes. a freaking Jesus miracle to me, Mason. All right. <laughs> you want to? You want to just call it? You want to? You want to do the plugs and everything now instead? <laughs> no, we got some stuff to talk about this week. Oh, we got my some bad. We talk about this
0: week already. Yeah, that's why the folks uh, tune in. That's why the folks tune in. I assume. I don't know. Drop us a line. Tell us why you tune in. Everybody wants to. The number two. Get on the list at gmail.com. Keep forgetting to see before I say that if anyone's actually emailed us again. I was
1: gonna ask if anyone has emailed us. Do you want to check real quick? Uh, yes,
0: I'll check real quick. I do have my phone on airplane mode, but I think I can still open the mail. He's got his no, phone. do you want to rip? Do you want to yeah. talk about? No, no, no new emails. Just a lot of promotions.
1: What are we getting promotions for, though?
0: Uh, well, it's letting me know when uh the bill is paid. Uh, promotions: Linktree, Podbean, SoundCloud, Stitcher.
1: Man, dude, that our fucking phones are our phones are listening to us.
0: Yeah. That yes yes.
1: Okay, that's cool. Uh, we have an album and a movie to talk about today. Of course, this is just the boys. Uh, just the boys. I was trying to think about because we, we were the tired boys when we did the Jeff Rosenstock album and the Todd mm-hmm. Salons movie. And I couldn't remember, well, I could not remember what the middle one was. And I didn't really look that hard, but I couldn't remember what the middle iteration was. And I don't even remember what our most recent iteration was. But we're the, we right now, we're people? just like the boys, I feel like. Yeah, we're the boys. We're the ex boys.
0: We're the, you know... Inserts. We're the ex-boys! Yeah, we're a Mad Lib, and uh, we're the... We're, it's like a Mad Lib. We're the bl- verb. Or we're the blank something. boys! We're the blank boys. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Welcome okay. to a podcast where we check in on ourself, on each other. Blank check. How you doing today, Noah?
1: I'm doing good. Mason, give me an adverb.
0: Um. Uh. Expressingly.
1: Great. Um. Now you ask me for something that would be a Mad Lib fill-in.
0: Um... Uh, boy's name.
1: Uh, Todd. Todd, okay. We're the Todd boys this week. We're the Todd Expressingly boys. (laughs) This is what we are this week. (laughs) Mason, we have Mm -hmm. an album and a movie to talk about today. This was a me pick for the album and a you pick for the movie. Yes. I think as ceremoniously and as, well, what is the right word? Traditionally, I guess, we start with the album. So we should probably just start with the album, huh?
0: Yeah, why not? And this week... It was a Noe's pick album, so
1: Noe, intro the album. Great. Uh, Hey, guys. Noah here from It's On The List. Uh, This week, we're talking about 2003's album, the album of 2003, if you ask me. Welcome, Interstate Managers by Fountains of Wayne. Snap, 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 snap for that. Uh, This is the album that includes everybody's favorite summertime jam, Stacy's mom, But it is much more than that. Uh, This is a great album. I will just start by saying (laughs) this is a great album. And we will get into why it is a great album later. I was surprised to hear, Mason, that you had heard this album prior to the show. So what is your relationship with Welcome Interstate Managers?
0: Yes. So everyone's favorite summertime hit, Stacy's Mom. can't remember the first time I heard it, but it's been a part of you know, the first time you hear it and then you hear it, for it, it never leaves. It's one of those songs. You know, it's a classic. Everybody sure. knows Stacey's mom and everybody loves Stacey's mom. Um, and so that song comes into my life at some point uh, in between when I first hear it and when um, I make a line dance with my friends to it in a gym class, we made yes. a line dance to this song, Stacey's mom for our gym class.
1: Okay. That's uh, insane, but keep
0: going. <laughs> That's kind of insane. We had fun. At some point, um, no, I'm about to ask you something um, I'm about to ask you something that's going to make you really mad, but uh, do you remember the nostalgia critic?
1: Of course, I do remember the, the nostalgia critic, brother. Um, it,
0: bad.: Yes, bad, not not good. Um, but he ha uh, his website where he hosted his videos and others uh, was that guy with the and I liked a lot of the content and the creators on that page much more than I liked the nostalgia critic aka
1: um, doug walker aka, AKA doug walker, slam that ham down on the table my man yes big time <laughs> big that's time. my that's my classic nickname for doug walker is slam that ham on the table my man it's <laughs> doug walker but anyways baby. anyways
0: one of the uh one of the guys was this music uh this music guy his name was paw p-a-w and one day he had a video that was my top 10 albums that everyone needs to listen to or something and i was right. like great I want to figure out what's going on with this. And one of those albums, Noe, was Welcome Interstate Manager. Hell yeah. And so this is when I was in high school, early high school, and very, very lazy. And um, so I did what I usually did with music at that time, which was go on iTunes, see the top five songs, the most popular ones from that album, put them on my iPod, and listen to those over and over and over and over again. But I don't think I'd listen to the whole album in full, maybe until college, and even then, I couldn't tell you if I actually did. So this is basically a fresh listen for me. I think.
1: Wow. Okay. Nice. In a very piecemeal way, this might be your first full, full listen of it. Is that fair yeah? To say?
0: Bro, I would say I would say that with more confidence than I would saying that I heard the whole thing prior for the prior than than the first time I heard it for the show.
1: Perfect. Uh, now should I talk about my relationship to this album? Yes, please. <laughs> So, everyone knows Stacy's mom, as you said. Yes. Uh song came out in 2003. Radio Disney was a big station in the car.
0: Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. And I remember hearing this, I believe, on Radio Disney because it's inconspicuous enough to the point where, like, kids will like the song because it's, like, catchy or whatever without yeah. knowing that it's, like, very pervy, <laughs> basically. Yeah. For lack of a better term. It's um, one of those – yeah,
0: it's like – it's 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 fun for the parents because they know what's going on, and it's fun for the kids because it's just like a a, a fun song about your friend's mom.
1: Exactly, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, my my have some cool friends who have some cool cool moms. I don't know why yet because I don't have a hormone exploding in my fucking body to tell me why <laughs> I think that's cool. But I remember hearing this song on Radio Disney, thinking it was really fun. You know, when I'm a kid, I'm probably what six years old around then, six or seven. Mm-hmm hearing it throughout, you know, play on Radio Disney. And then it's kind of one of those songs that you just occasionally hear. You know, it will just come up. Because, unfortunately, I would, you know, I would unfortunately have to think that Fountains of Wayne are labeled a one-hit wonder. Maybe because that's valid, because Stacey's Mom was really their only song that found, like, chart success. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's what makes, like, the— de- and. Speaking of content creators, from that guy with the glasses that I really like, Todd in the Shadows. If you're not, if you haven't watched his videos, I really like them, and he has a whole running. Basically, the only thing you can get for free on his YouTube now, or the only thing that he pumps out, are like one-hit wonder retrospectives. Sure. And he's even like the definition of what a one-hit wonder is is very strange, and it's like Founds of Wayne technically, I think, does unless they had some other chart success with a different song that, um, you know, I. Didn't look up, um, which is always possible. Um, but it's like most people would probably just have this one Fountains of Wayne song on their iPod, you know?
1: exactly. And if they don't know anything else really about the members of Fountains of Wayne. They don't really know any other songs off the album. They just know yeah. Stacy's mom. They enjoy Stacy's mom, and they leave it at that. And that's why I wanted to bring this album on the show, is because yes, most people know Stacy's mom for very good reasons. It's a very fun song. You know, if you only knew this song from that album, that's already a win. But this album, Mason, I think, uh, it, I think that it falls under the Maguire. I think it passes the Maguire test. Do you know what the Maguire
0: test is? Yes. Some uh, No bad songs. Just how hard is it to write an album with only good songs? Exactly.
1: Yeah. And it's a pretty straightforward It's like a true or false thing. Does it pass? Yes. Does it pass? No. I think this album passes the McGuire test of every single song is good. Would you agree?
0: I would agree. I just hit the mic because I was pointing to myself and <laughs> no. holding up a two, like me too. But yes, I agree. No, and that's the, um, so like the the three that I know for cer- certain that I've heard before this, just because yeah. those are the ones that were on my iPod, uh, for sure had Hey Julie. For sure. For sure had, um or no, I had Hey Julie because Pa had, mentioned it in the, in the, uh, the episode. And I was like, okay, I got to pay attention to this. Um.
1: In the episode that was like 10. Yeah. And like, know. in that I,
0: uh, so I can say for certain that in all, all kinds of time, Stacy's mom. And yeah, those are the only three that I can say that I for sure had and listened to with any frequency. Um, and it's like, those are three really fucking good songs. And I don't even know if. <laughs> they're just all every single song is good I don't have anything else to say about it other than that that's all I gotta
1: say no you don't have to say anything else other than that but like it literally is like oh yeah of course you like Stacy's mom have you heard Mexican wine have you heard Hackensack have you heard Little Red Light have you heard Super Collider probably not dude because you probably were just too busy listening to Stacy's mom so that's why I wanted to bring it on the show and then I also wanted to bring it on the show, Mason, unfortunately, because Adam Schlesinger did pass away this year um, due to either COVID-19 or complications from COVID-19, and I just wanted to honor his memory. We've actually talked about him indirectly on the show before, because he was the man who wrote the song That Thing You Do in the movie That Thing You Do by The Wonders. Um, From back in our L.A. days, brother. From back in our L.A. days, and you know what? That song fucking rips. That's a great fucking song. It is easily my favorite part <laughs> of that thing you do. I'm not as big on it as you guys were. Yeah. But that right, right, song right. fucking rocks. It is kind of why the movie works, I think, all told, to be honest and with you. And it's kind of
0: like, it It does, it's so interesting that um, Stacy's mom is kind of the same, like it follows the same track in a way almost, where it's like, you hear it all the time, and you're like, this is such a good song, and then you get sick of it. And then you get sick of hearing about it and true. then you remember how good it is and then you can never hate it again for the rest of your life
1: that's true the they had their tra- their trajectory was in a lot of ways like the wonders in the movie that thing you do because mason we'll get into it when we talk about the fast facts but this album saved the band's career did you know that
0: yes i did i was reading up on this album very briefly before the show and that's what i really like about I didn't know that ahead of time, but knowing it now, it gives my my note that I wrote here. My big sort of takeaway from it was every single song knows right where it's knows right where it's going. Like there's For sure. no, there's no fucking fan on any of these songs. Like yeah, there's songs that are like psychedelic and kind of you would say expansive, basically. And there's sure. like, like kind of countryer songs or folkier songs or pop songs, you know. But every single song knows what it's trying to accomplish. Um, And it doesn't waste any fucking time. And sometimes you just got to, it's, it's, so that's what I mean about that. Um,
1: I want to actually go off what you just said in the fact that every single song, not every single song, a lot of different songs on this album kind of do have their own sonic uniqueness to them. And the ones that I wanted to uh, point out more, most specifically where the song, the album starts out with the song Mexican wine. Which, yeah. oh, the other thing I should say about this, before we start talking about the songs themselves, actually, and the actual sonic qualities of the album and the artistry of the album.
0: Right, I remember the point I was trying to make, but you go.
1: Okay, um, Rocky Parrito actually uh, showed me the song Mexican Wine, and that is kind of the song that made me go like, oh, I need to do discover i need to listen to this album a because adam Schlesinger had passed away and b i had heard a song off this album that wasn't stacy's mom and was like oh shit this song is this song is almost better than stacy's mom honestly so you know
0: here, yeah so um i wrote this so i wrote this down i want to say this before i get to Please. The point i wanted to make earlier here is the first line of the song mexican wine and also the first line of the album
1: yeah, I actually have it written down as well, so I'm glad I'm glad we're both on the same page here, but go for it.
0: He was killed by a cellular phone explosion.
1: Yes. Come they, on, dude! They scattered his Come ashes on. across the ocean. The water was used to make baby lotion. The wheels of promotion were set into motion. And the sun still shines in the summertime. I don't know the rest of the words off the top of my head, but... It's fucking awesome. It's it so rocks. fucking fun, and it's fun, yes. and they're having fun with it. And the music is good, and all of the members of the band seem like they're on the same page. And that is what's so fun about what, what "Fountains of Wayne" and "Welcome Interstate Managers" is that all the songs feel individual, but also part of the same whole. And that I yeah. think is a telltale sign of not only just a like competent band, of a band that like plays well together, but a great band. Like their their vision is whole but you can hear each of them individually through the song either a enjoying themselves and usually b playing the shit out of their instruments no they're not jimmy page no it's not john bond it's not led zeppelin level of like insanity but it sounds fucking good at the end of the day you know what i mean yeah a hundred percent you're so you're you're absolutely right thank you chef um but like i was saying mexican wine you start out this album it's a power pop song baby it's just Fun and it's just hitting those power chords and it knows when the chorus is going to come in and the lyrics are fun and then you got some other power pop ish songs in there as well or actually the next song on the album is Bright Future in Sales which I initially read as a little bit more satirical and ironic than Mm -hmm. I think it actually is because I was doing some doing some digging on the lyrics here and it actually is a little bit you just Mason just a little (laughs) little. Digging fucking motion. I really liked that, dude. That was good. (laughs) Do that whenever you can. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, like, it it looked like it was going to – I thought it was more satirical than it was because in my head I'm like, bright future in sales? Who gives a fuck about that? Like, that sounds like a shitty fucking position for your life to be in. But then you look at, like, the rest – Of the lyrics of the song where you're like, oh, I got to get my shit together, man. You know, like it really is more genuine, I think, than I had initially thought. And I think that was my own sort of interpretation of my uh, like the wheels spinning in a way that I don't think was meant initially for the song to be read. But that's a great fucking song, too, that in a different power pop way, I feel like where we're driving toward the chorus, maybe a little bit more. And it's like all about, all right, let's get to that fucking chorus, baby, and jam, whereas the other lyrics maybe aren't as as exciting whereas mexican wine it's like every lyric is exciting in its own particular way and those are just the Uh, first two fucking songs
0: on the album baby yeah and then after what's here's the nice thing about hearing this song uh this album in a post stacy's mom world and you know um when you hear that song and all you can like it's become its own object you know or i don't know what i'm trying to say but you understand what i'm saying it's we're living in a post stacy's world uh stacy's mom mom time world yeah living in a post mank time it's weird um
1: in any case (laughs) everyone's freaked out by you hear those
0: first two songs mexican wine and bright Future and sales and you're like i am so excited for whatever this album has next for me and the next song is stacy's mom
1: yes exactly and so you're like
0: oh right this is the state. This is Stacy's mom. This is the album that
1: Stacy's mom was on. <laughs> and it was and interesting. There- for, I was just going to say it was interesting for me growing up because my mom's name is Stacy. Spelled. So this, song's- <laughs> this song is about my grandma, dude. That's what this song is about. It's about my grandma. And whenever they would, you know, sometimes your friend asks you, oh, what's your mom's name? And my mom's name is actually spelled. Exactly like this. Oh, Stacey's she's a C Y, not an EY, Stacy. Exactly. She's a CY. Someone tried to tell me once that there's a ver- like EY is supposed to be like the female version and C Y is supposed to be the male version. I don't really fucking like oh,
0: Stacey Keach. I don't know. Who cares? I don't
1: buy that shit. I, it really doesn't yeah. fucking matter at the end of the day, but I was told that once. Anyway, uh but like yeah, my that's my mom's name is Stacy. So people be like, "Oh, Stacy! Oh, yeah, you know, Stacy's mom has got it going." And I'm like, "You're the funniest guy I've ever met in my whole fucking life, dude! Why don't you leave me alone and don't come to my house after school?" So that <laughs> that was exciting for me growing up. But yeah, it is Mexican wine, bright future in sales. Stacy's mom are the first three songs on this album. Hack and sack, which Katy Perry apparently. Uh did a cover of unplugged one time, which is just its own beautiful little, like love song. And it's a little slower uh, than the yeah. first three. The first three kind of rile you up hack and sack. You're like, okay, we'll take a break. We'll chill out a little bit, but you can still enjoy go to the punch song.
0: bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Go to the, it's a go to the punch bowl song. I like that Mason. That's really good. Um, and then you get to, <laughs> I do. Gen- I genuinely like that. <laughs> no, okay? no, no. I like, I, it's, it's keep going, keep going. <laughs> Um, And then you you get a couple more songs in there, but then we get to like Valley Winter Song, which is like this stripped down ballad, really just like a lush song. You know, the name of the song is literally Valley Winter Song. There's already, you know, pastoral imagery being used in the title of the song, and it's beautiful in its own way. You know, it's much more bare and much more. I don't want to say more vulnerable than some of this other stuff because some of these other songs are vulnerable mm -hmm. in their own way, but this Mm -hmm. is very like, like, it feels like you're like cracking something open almost like you're, you're coming up over this scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's
0: what I really like about this album too, is so many of these songs are, are scenes or like brief little snippets or like kind of character pieces, you know? Um, And I like when, you know, I like when, songwriters write songs that are stories um
1: every single song on this or every uh, every single song on this album which brings us into the next
0: track which is all kinds of time yes this like anthem about like the last minutes of a football game yes i'm not a sports guy i was i played in the marching band when i was in high school so i've been to a lot of football games but after that i'm like not my thing
1: really. What did you play in marching band? I actually didn't know that.
0: Uh I was alto for two years alto sax for two years and tenor sax for two years, or alto sax for three years and tenor sax for one. But
1: you were a sax guy. I,
0: I was a sax guy, yes. I was in all three bands in high school and I was uh, a different saxophone in each band. Is that years. true? Uh yeah, because I did tenor and barry in jazz band, and I well I did tenor and I did tenor sax for three years. For it's not important. I I played altos and tenor and barry sax, mostly tenor and barry in high school. I didn't. I got it mixed up the first time. Do you still I, play at all? I no no no. I don't have a saxophone. I kind of wish I did have one though. But I I do have a, a guitar. Um, that's that's that um okay so
1: you're in marching band anyway so
0: i'm a marching band and i'm not a sports guy and i hear the song and i'm like fuck it must be really cool to be the quarterback when you get the game winning play
1: yes 100% i think that is literally a shared dream among m- yeah. all people whether they actually played sports for a long time or didn't even play sports at all i think everyone has the dream in their head of being the guy or the gal or the whoever that fucking makes the winning goal or scores the touchdown yeah. at the end of regulation or shoots the winning basket at the end of the basketball game so that they win the game. like That is yeah. a shared collective dream that we all have. And this song sounds like it would exactly be at the end of Friday Night Lights without a doubt. You know what I yes. mean?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm so surprised that they didn't throw it in. And like, I actually haven't watched the series finale of Friday Night Lights, but that would be a great like at the end. They're doing like a slow mo of everyone on the field are doing like titles where people end up and it's just he's got all kinds
1: of time <laughs> got all kinds of time yeah that's a little a little bob dylan twang on the end of that when you got all kinds of time <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen bob dylan I'm gonna do films of Wayne. <laughs> got all kinds of time <laughs> got all kinds of time mason i got all kinds of time i bob dylan <laughs> Um and then you have something like Haley's Waitress uh a little bit further down the track list which actually is a very like it's almost in my opinion the most ill-fitting song of the album. Yeah, it's the one that I'm not I'm the most not
0: wild about. I'm I'm the least wild about that song. Sure.
1: But I still like it a lot. It's Well, you know what's interesting, Mason, is it actually sounds like it should be a Ben Folds 5 song or a Ben's Folds song. Like, it has yeah, much more yeah. of that energy to it, but it's being done by Fountains of Wayne, so it doesn't have the same playfulness that you expect out of a Ben Folds 5 tune. You know what I mean? Like, I literally yeah, feel like yeah. Ben I, Folds like, gave them that song to do and was like, I wrote yeah. this, just have it, I guess.
0: That's interesting that you, like, dis- like you you contrast... Fountains of Wayne and Ben Folds uh, with with playful because it's like this is not a detriment. They're different bands and different musicians, but it's like Fountains of Wayne, um, they're very uh sort of is symphonic the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but there it's it's there is a playfulness to Ben Folds, which which I is a quality of his music that I really like. And I don't know if I would describe um uh, uh, Fountains of Wayne, or this song, these songs is particularly playful. Not to say they're not
1: fun, but they're not just like. You well, know. I guess what's your what's your distinguishing factor between fun and playful? Then, in this sense,
0: uh, there is a. Um, mm, these songs are just like. So, do you want to get to the fast facts of like the the, the reason why this album was written? Because maybe that's because with with Ben Folds. I feel a sense of discovery in a lot of the songs of his that I like. Like okay. he's coming you know, like coming up with a song as it's being written basically. Got or it. Or writing the song as he's performing it. These and what I like about them is that they're so careful and um and composed in a way. And that makes them like fun and like really easy to listen to, but they don't have that sort of like uh, you know that sort of other quality That Ben Folds particularly has That's
1: that, all that that's mean. an interesting way to describe it is that You feel as though Ben Folds is coming up With the song as he's playing it Whereas this it very much feels like Here's the play we're going to go out there You're going to play these eight bars I'm going to play yeah, this yeah, beat on the yeah, drums yeah, yeah. And I'm going to sing these lyrics Interesting yeah. Okay I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's a very, actually, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So, yeah, people who say Mason and I don't get along and we don't agree, we're agreeing, guys. <laughs> Come on. We agree. We're the agreeing boys. We're the <laughs> we're the agreeing expressing boys is what we are. <laughs> um, and then the only other song that I wanted to, like, really point out that's like, damn, this is sonically varied is Hung Up On You, um, which is basically a southern rock, like, Big Red, you know, Tavern-type song. You're at the bar. This is the, like, Southern band that they got to play. And you're like, holy shit, these guys are way better than, like, a bar band. Like, what are they doing here? But it's still that same level of fun that you have in that song uh, that you have across the rest of the album. And I will say, Mason, for me, the weakest part of the album is probably, like, the last four or five songs. I'm actually not as... Mm-hmm. I'm not as not down on Haley's Waitress, although I do think it's probably the most ill-fitting song, mm-hmm. but Bought for a Song, Super Collider, Yours and Mine, Elevator Up, those are probably the ones for me that I'm like, I might like stop the album after Peace and Love, but maybe I'll keep listening to the rest of those, but they're not yeah. bad, you know?
0: No, I don't dislike those songs at all, and I did, I did give a heart to Peace and Love, bar- Bought for a Song, and Super Collider when I was listening through. So I like these those songs a lot, but I'm with you that like I'm listening to this album, and I'm just kind of like, "Fuck, there's still music." It, you're, it's 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 at the point of the night where you're like, <laughs> to bring it back to like a high school dance analogy, yeah. it's at the point where you're like, "Fuck, we're still dancing," but all right, man, let's keep going, let's keep going. And then Elevator Up comes on, and then um, you know, the your your science teacher turns on the lights, and everybody like goes and gets their coat from the coat check and stands out in the uh, stands out in the cold. And then you find out that the freshman prom queen uh, smuggled vodka into the dance in a water bottle and got uh,
1: kicked out. And then, and then and then your date says, hey, I have to go um, take a shit. I have to go take a <laughs> shit in the bathroom. So you go, great, I'll wait for you outside where it's 34 degrees. Yes. <laughs> so, so you can have privacy because they're going to kick me out of the school if I wait in the hallway for you. So yeah. you're waiting at the 34 degree cold, your date is in the school bathroom that doesn't have doors on the stalls, taking a shit, and she sees two people fucking in a stall that doesn't have a door on it, and she goes uh, check please and everybody (laughs) claps and roars and goes, woo! Baby! Everyone loves that. So that's that's everyone's favorite bit. Mm -hmm. That is elevator up I think, (laughs) In in a nutshell I think you're right about that um this is a great album mason this yeah, is i yeah. think this is i think every single song on this album's good even if i don't yeah. love yeah. the last four or five tracks as much as i like the rest of the album um i just it's just like you just have to listen to this album you love stacy's mom if you love that song you're gonna love the rest of this album that's kind of how i feel about it
0: yeah i would second that uh do you want to get into fast facts and then uh, or is there anything anything oh we didn't talk about the song. Hey, Julie. Um, oh, yeah. Let's
1: it, talk about the song. Hey, Julie.
0: I love that song. I adore that song. I think it is so sweet. Um, just hey, Julie, look what they're doing to me, trying to bring me up, trying to wear, wear me, down. me down.
1: Julie, I Julie, swear, I swear it, it's so, so hard to bear it and I'll never make it through without you around. It's um, it is very nice. That might sound like fucking dog shit if if we're not synced up in the edit. That might sound like me singing on top of you or you singing on top of me. If you're listening to this and it sounds like that, congratulations. We don't really give a shit. Um, Three favorite lyrics from the entire album. Hours on the phone making pointless calls. I got a desk full of paper. That means nothing at all. Sometimes I catch myself staring into space, counting down the hours till I get to see your face from Hey Julie. That whole song is just absolutely delightful. And you don't hear a lot of songs about people named Julie either. That's not really a song you hear about. You hear a lot of Michelle's, you hear a lot of Carolines, you hear a lot of, you know, all these other, you know, female, quote unquote female names. You don't really hear a lot of Julie songs. So let's get let's get some Julie's out there. Yeah, let's get
0: some men's names in the songs too. Right now we only got
1: Jeremy. Yeah jeremy smoked it yesterday (laughs) dude literally the other day i woke i woke up out of my bed pillow came off or my head came off the pillow and i was like i have to listen to a live by right now and i did and it sucked dude i'm sorry damn that's too bad that's really too bad um what other male know. song names? There's that whole fam. There's a Family Guy bit about <laughs> female names in songs. Mason, do you know that one? I uh, it's not I'm
0: not familiar with it. Which episode is it in?
1: Um, I'm gonna look up this. It's uh, Family Guy. Uh, female. Famous, sucks for everyone <laughs> to hear Wait. female. Uh, names. Here's so
0: no one knows this, but I just want to say it just a vamp while um while while Noah's looking this up. Um, It was very fun for me to listen to this album because normally when I listen to the album, I kind of want to, you know, pause the the Spotify radio that comes up and just take a little break and like, you know, digest. But every single time that I listened to this album, Spotify radio started playing "Harvey uh, Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger almost immediately. And I was like, fuck, now I just got to listen to Flagpole Sitta
1: by Harvey Danger. Talk about another one hit wonder from the Or This isn't from the 90s. That is from the 90s.
0: Yes, those guys could definitely be categorized as a one hit wonder. Uh, Did you figure out the name of the. I did. I did. Yes. I haven't actually. Tell
1: us the bit. I have the entire bit in front of me. So what happens is is Stewie's learning guitar because he's fallen in love with Joe and Bonnie's beautiful baby named Susie. Mm -hmm. And he comes in uh and he's like you're writing it and he's like what brian's like what are you naming the song about he's like oh i'm gonna name it Susie. and brian's like dude there's so many songs named after girls like pick a different one and stewie's like oh yeah name 20 and so he says that then brian just goes rosanna roxanne michelle allison sarah angie brandy mandy gloria cecilia maggie Mae, jessica nancy billy jane layla lola polly jenny from the block and then he looks at him and he says name six more Sherry, Laura, Wendy, Maria, Peggy, Sue, Minnie the Moocher. And then he looks at him and he says, Name five more. Tracy, Jean, Jane, <laughs> Eleanor, Rigby. And then he just looks at him and says, Go fuck yourself. And he throws the guitar on the ground. So uh family guy cool. actually coming in clutch for once on this podcast and actually meaning something. Cool. Uh, ready for fast facts? Fast facts. Let's do it. All right. After Montclair based Adam Sleshinger and Sellersville based Chris Collingwood met at Williams College, by the way. That's like one of the hardest colleges in the entire country to get into. So Williams. Williams is like, yeah, it's not an Ivy League school, but it basically is an Ivy League acceptance rate type situation. So mm-hmm. two very intelligent people meeting at Williams College and Adam Schlesinger and Chris Collingwood. Then they played music in various bands and eventually went their separate ways when Collingwood formed the Mercy Buckets in Boston and Schlesinger forming Ivy in NYC. In the mid-90s, they came together to form Fountains of Wayne, named after a lawn ornament store in Wayne, New Jersey, that ended up closing in 2009. At first, Collingwood hated the name, but eventually warmed to it. Previous names included Woolly Mammoth, Are You My Mother, and three men who, when standing side by side, have a wingspan over 12 feet. That is awful. That is an awful name for a band.
0: Uh, no, don't, don't, don't do that to your band, make it short, sweet, and easy to remember fountains of Wayne. You're like easy to remember short, sweet, easy to remember whatever that
1: other bullshit was no thank you and get it out of here. The band cut a demo and signed with Atlantic Records, then recruited guitarist Jody Porter and still active Posey's drummer Brian Young after recording their debut album. Young got in touch with a friend who worked at Fountains of Wayne's label, Atlantic Records, to see if there were any job openings, and when he auditioned for the band, they asked him to play the beat to Swingtown by Steve Miller Band. You Steve Miller Band guy? Oh, Mason. Oh, Mason. We got Zoomed. In the mid-1990s, they came together to form Fountains of Wayne, named after a lawn ornament store in Wayne, New Jersey. New Jersey. That closed in 2009. Sorry. Mm. Uh, At first, Collingwood hated the name, but eventually warmed to it. Previous band names included Woolly Mammoth, Are You My Mother, and the very awful, very terrible three men who in standing side by side have a wingspan of over 12 feet uh, that name sucks, Mason.
0: Yeah, I say no on that name. No, short, sweet, to the point. Founds of Wayne, excellent. The Beatles, excellent.
1: Uh, Charlie Bliss, excellent. L- you know, Limbisgit, excellent. Limbisgit, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. The band ble- shut the fuck up. A band <laughs> <got> a demo, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> for Atlantic Records, then recruited guitarist Jody Porter and still active Posie's drum. Er, Brian Young after recording their debut album Young got in touch with a friend Who worked at Fountains of Wayne label To see if there were any job openings And when he auditioned for the band They asked him to play Swingtown By Steve Miller Band Are you a Steve Miller Band guy or no? <laughs> Come the fuck on dude You're getting fucking zoomed again uh, Previous band names included Wooly Mammoth Are You My Mother? And three men who, when standing side by side, have a wingspan of over 12 feet. For the third time, Mason, that is a (laughs) terrible name for a band. Would you agree? Yes, let's keep going great beatles great name Limbiscuit, great name uh charlie xcx great name yeah the band cut a demo and signed with atlantic records then recruited guitarist jody porter and still active posies drummer brian young after recording their debut album young got in touch with a friend who worked at uh, atlantic records to see if there was any job openings he auditioned for the band and they asked him to play swing town mason do you like steve miller band
0: I uh, they're okay right they're the fly like an eagle people right
1: yeah, uh, Fly Like an Eagle is Uncle Brian's favorite song probably I would say.
0: That's very cool. You know what? I'm going to say good on good on Uncle Brian for that one.
1: Thanks. Uh, though Collingwood and Sleshinger shared co-writer credit for all original Fountains of Wayne material for most of their careers they wrote songs separately in 2005 Collingwood said we decided early on it's better not to have arguments that some bands would have where they might say oh I wrote 15% of that song and try and figure out the numbers it seemed ridiculous Sleshinger added we just agreed many years ago that if we were to have a band we just split the songwriting to avoid having a conversation every time we finish a song but we really haven't collaborated as writers in many years and that's 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 kind of intentional too, because we didn't want it to turn into a thing where people would say, Adam's songs are so like this. We wanted the band to have an identity more than we wanted each of us to have an identity in the band. It kind of seems like Chris Collingwood and Adam Schlesinger didn't like each other very much.
0: Kind of, And I think that he, Adam Schlesinger is talking about that very maturely. And I appreciate that. Um, Yes. Yeah. It does seem like, uh, man, I think that that's really smart of them though, to just, with the songwriting credit so there can be no arguments down the line.
1: I remember it may have even been Maroon 5 that literally said this. I can't remember which band this was. I'm going to say it's Maroon 5 because I don't know who it is off the top of my head. But they were like, We just say that every song is written by Maroon 5. Yeah. Like, that's just, they just, the band is the songwriter, so that there's not any sort of ego shit going on with that. Which, yeah. you know what? Maybe there's money involved that way. Who knows? Doesn't really matter. Uh, Schlesinger wrote the Academy-nominated title song for That Thing You Do. We talked about that already. Uh, Here's the biggie. The band was dropped by Atlantic in 1999 due to their previous albums, their first two albums, self-titled Fountains of Wayne and Utopia Parkway not becoming successful in the commercial space, so they took a hiatus. Schlesinger co-wrote many of the songs in the Josie and the Pussycats film and soundtrack and produced albums for Verve Pipe. David Mead and They Might Be Giants, and released a third record with his other band, Ivy. Collingwood formed and fronted Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, farmed and fronted a Northampton, Massachusetts pop band called Gay Potatoes, Not a joke, that's what they're called. All right, and played a string of solo shows in the Boston and LA areas. Jody Porter worked on his band, The Astrojet, alongside famed producer Gordon Raphael and keyboardist David Zhang uh, in New York City. Brian Young moved to L.A. and did session work for various artists and producers such as Steve Fisk, Ivy, Heather Derby, and Greg Dulley. The band reunited, recording a cover of The Kinks' Better Things for the tribute album This Is Where I Belong, the songs of Ray Davies in 2001. We've talked about The Kinks on this show before. Mason, are you a Ray Davies guy or are you a fucking, what's, I don't know. Who else is in that band? Oh, fuck. I I forget his brother is Don Davies or Dave Davies,
0: but I don't know. I think I'm a Ray Davies guy.
1: You're a Ray Davies guy. That's what I would say. Yeah. You're a little, you're a little
0: rock and roll. I don't fucking know. Keep going. Let's keep doing this.
1: Okay. Great. Fountains of Wayne commenced recording their new album without any label support. That we're talking about here is... Uh, whatever the fuck this album is called, Welcome Interstate Managers. Um, according to drummer Brian Young, Adam put up the money to do the recording. We converged in a studio in upstate New York, and we didn't know what to expect. We basically all just showed up with nothing. In 2009, Katy Perry performed a cover of Hackensack Sa- Hack on MTV's Unplugged. And in 2011, the band The Wonder Years performed a cover of Hey Julie for the charity compilation Versus the Earthquake. Last but not least, of course, Adam Sleshinger died from complications of COVID-19 on April 1st, 2020. The surviving members of Fountains of Lame to get, performed together for the first time since 2013 on April 22nd to 2020 as part of a charity live stream to raise funding for the New Jersey Pandemic Relief Fund. The performance was a tribute to Sleshinger and featured Sharon Van Etten taking his place on bass guitar. Yeah. What a person to take over, Sharon it's Van Etten. And, you know, man, That's pretty man, amazing. That's really
0: cool. It does suck that he was uh, that he died of COVID though. He died of COVID. John Prine died of COVID, uh, and literally hundreds of thousands of other people died of COVID. Um,
1: shitty to think about. Did Bill Withers die of COVID? Because I know he passed away this year too, right? I don't know if he died of COVID or if he died of just something um, else. Regular, yeah, regular people dying stuff, and not
0: this this awful, terrible disease.
1: Yeah. No shit. Uh, so that's my fast facts that I got for you, Mason. Who's your uh, – what or who is your Mercedes Valuable Player for this one?
0: Uh, this one's a toughie, but I, I just have to give it to um, All Kinds of Time. Just because, like – just the song All Kinds of Time. Uh, one, impeccably written song. Great song. Just craft and writing. Two, you can't listen to that song and not feel triumphant. And just whenever – Uh, i'm trying to do a better job of collecting things and songs like like, things like songs that make me feel good and i'm like god damn i can't imagine a situation where this song wouldn't cheer me up when i really needed it and so that's why it's my mercedes valuable player and because of that i'm going to just apply that to the wider album and say that like it was nice to be to realize that this is an album that would just not fail to make me feel good and just put me in a good sonic place for 50 minutes. Even if by the end of that time, I'd be like a little like checking my watch a little bit. Um, but not to, not because there's not a single bad song on this. Um,
1: it's just a little long.
0: It's just a little long. It's not a bad song. It's just a little long, but I enjoy every, I still enjoy every single minute. I'll recommend for me, Pause the podcast, listen to the album and come back for the movie discussion. Noah.
1: What's your MVP? <laughs> Mercedes valuable player for this I was really going back and forth again I think this is a tough one because every song is So good and because every single song Is listenable and good I kind of Just have to give it to Adam Schlesinger, dude Like just straight up you know uh, yeah. Whether it was him or Chris Collingwood Writing the song you know in my mind Adam Schlesinger was the Heart and soul of this band he seemed like The one who really wanted to push forward He Seemed like the one who when they were down And out after their label dropped them he was the one who said let's record welcome interstate managers you know um and it yeah you know, he passed away this year and i just wanted to honor that by giving him my mercedes valuable player like i said i think he is the reason why we have stacy's mom i think he's the reason why we have this album this is their most successful album uh but it again no one probably knows from the most part how good this album is on the whole so he's my mercedes valuable player adam Schlesinger. rest in peace and this gets a full recommend from me as well. Listen to this album. Come back for the movie. Speaking of which, Mason, this is a Mason Woo. pick. What the fuck are we watching today on It's On The List?
0: This week we are watching Wong Kar-Wai's film 2046. It's, a very, it's very convenient that we're talking about this movie because today Criterion announced that they are releasing a Wong Kar-Wai box set, um, including this film. So how about that? Um this was a blind watch as I've been doing the last couple of weeks. New things I brought. Like Matinee a, a lot. Like Unfolded. What that I want to watch from America? And I chose, uh, <laughs> well, I offered Noah t- three choices because I couldn't decide. One was uh, the Gia Jenki film, um, Ashes Purest White. The other was the Burt – I believe it's Burt Reynolds' movie, North Dallas it 40. It is Bert Reynolds, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I was like, of these three, which sounds most appealing to you? And Noah was mostly down, uh, down for either 2046 or um, North Dallas 40, and he said North Dallas 40 might be closer tied to the album, and I was like, let's stir up this pot a little bit. Let's get some <laughs> new flavors in this in this mix here. Let's add some, uh, you know, it, we're maybe going to throw some uh, red cabbage in the salad today. Holy on, it's fuck, on the list. dude.
1: Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, red, red cabbage? Are you fucking cabbage. kidding me, dude? Yeah, dude. Red Holy fucking shit.
0: cabbage in this fucking salad right now. Like, let's do 2046. And it was an interesting watch. No. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It was an interesting watch for me, but I think it was a very interesting watch for me in a very different way than you're going to expect me to talk about. So do you want to hear my, my odyssey with 2046?
0: I would love to hear your odyssey with 2046 because you had also never seen this movie before. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Uh, my relationship overall with Wong Kar Wai is such that he was a director that I found out about in late high school, I remember yeah. my film teacher in high school. For some re- he really wasn't like a books guy when it came to filmmaking. But like, we did read little biographies of different filmmakers from around the world. Uh, in that one of the <clears> sections <throat> of his class that I took, because I took a lot of different film classes with this guy, and one of the directors that I heard of for the first time in this class was Wong Kar Wai. We didn't really go in depth with what kinds of movies he made, what he was really known for. But I just remembered the name Wong Kar Wai. He's a Hong Kong filmmaker. Uh, And when I got to college, I realized, oh, this is sort of a guy. Like, this is is a filmmaker that people are like, this is my fucking guy. Some people would say that about. So I started to look into Wong Kar Wai a little bit more. And I was like, okay, In the Mood for Love looks kind of interesting chunking express looks kind of interesting and those are the ones that sort of piqued my interest in college when i got to film school and was like i'm gonna i'm going to eat different flavors of cinema i'm going to have fun this is going to be right fun for right me. uh and so i checked out i think i watched in the mood for love first and i know that that is like a darling on letterbox.com that you're like if you don't give that movie five stars you get your fucking you know Dick yanked off yeah, your body Yeah, You know if you don't like that movie yeah. I thought it was kind of underwhelming To be honest with you when I watched it when In early college I would really like To watch it again because I think I'd have A much different perspective on it now that some time Has passed and I've seen different Kinds of movies from different sure, places sure. around The world mm-hmm. but I just remember at the time It being like whoa this is This doesn't work for me Really I was not super into It can't uh, combat The fact that it's maybe the most beautiful movie ever made as far as the cinematography is R- concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like kind of what you, that you're that you getting from that movie is Christopher Doyle's just like unbelievable framing and color and all that shit. So I watched that. I much preferred Chunking Express, which is a very hard movie to track down in the physical copy. I think it's out of print in the Criterion world. Yeah, so it's kind of a rare gem. Mm-hmm. So I tracked that down somehow. Uh, I was able to find that prior to Filmstruck, prior to Criterion Channel and all that shit. And I just was sort of like, okay, I really liked Chunky Express, didn't really care that much for In the Mood for Love, but need to watch it again. And he's just not really a filmmaker that I really think about that much that often, to be honest with you, Wong Kar-Wai mm-hmm. is. But I knew that he was going to get some love from Criterion. I'm actually doing a little mini movie club with former guest and friend of this show, Dustin Titcomb, hey. every week – I know, right? Every yeah. week we pick something uh, that neither of us have seen, and we watch it, and then we call each other and do a less formal version of what you and I are doing right now, Mason, uh, where we just talk about what we liked and what we didn't like about the movie. And he, without knowing what you were going to pick, Mason, he picked Happy Together. And so I am literally going to oh, get okay. off of this call, and I am going to watch Happy Together that's, after we are done recording tonight.
0: That's uh, So I've only seen before this In the Mood for Love – uh and chunking express and i believe i had a similar journey to you where i saw in the mood for love first i don't um and i saw that my freshman year of college i can't remember when i saw chunking express but i was aware of that because my senior year of high school um i was in a one semester film studies class and my teacher did like like books and reading and like teaching movies from books and there was this book a nonfiction sort of memoir that came up called actually the film club film club about a guy who um his son moves in with him and he's like, You can either, you know, go out and get a job or you can I'll let you do whatever you want and live rent free, but you just have to watch one movie, I think either a day or a week with me. And that might not even be it might not even be that loose, but basically this guy it's a jerk chronicle of this guy's year living with his son and showing him movies and Chunking Express is one of those movies. So i heard of it And, but I don't think I saw it until later in college. Um, I liked his movies. I agree with you that there's a Letterboxd mob, and it is kind of like you sign up for your Letterbox subscription, and the first thing they do is make you give In the Mood for Love five stars. Like, that's actually what happens when you make a subscription on Letterboxd.com. Um, but I, I haven't seen it in years, and it's, it is something that, Either uh, comes across my st- screen like on a Tumblr dashboard because new people are discovering it. I'm like, fuck, that movie just like tracks. Like it just can kind of attack. It like just finds new people every single year and it still excites yep. people. Um, Trunking Express. It's twenty years old now. It's twenty years old. Yeah, it's from it's it is from two- yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, King Express is earlier than that. And this movie, two o four six, is from two thousand and three. Um, two thousand.
1: Four, four, because I'm they sorry. took four years to make it because of some fucked up shit that was happening. Uh, regarding a pandemic, Mason,
0: believe that, it or not. Yeah,
1: that was interesting to read in the IMDb trivia. They <laughs> set down production for SARS
0: for the first yeah. three. Um, not so, but so. Uh, anyways, um, and the Chung same thing, Chunking Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chunking Express, I kind of feel would be like, I, I was thinking about that movie when I was watching 2046 and I'm like, that movie like hits you at a certain age and it does like <laughs> give you a, it's sort of one movie that explains the, the, the essential split in the, in a male psyche, which is either doing shit so over the top because you're depressed and you need everybody to know, like buying um exp- expired peaches to eat on the day that like your girlfriend left you or something um or you're on the complete other spectrum where you just like don't give a shit but you really just want a woman to come into your life and like clean your apartment for you. yeah
1: exactly <laughs> but i still really
0: adore that movie i think it's really sweet and good-hearted uh tony lung's in it he's in this movie too and he's he is a good actor very charismatic um fei Wong, who's also also in this movie's in um Chungking express also and i just like even though it's very like man has emotions for the first time kind of movie. I still recommend it for most people, you know? Um, sure. That being, I still think that most people should at least give it the time. Uh, if you don't like it, at least you gave it a shot and you watched a movie not from America. Um,
1: yeah, for real.
0: That being said, any other time I've tried to watch a Wong Kar Wai movie that wasn't those two, I've always been like, okay, I'm 15 minutes into this uh and just i just need to uh you know these look are, at my
1: phone need to look at yeah
0: exactly <laughs> like i need to look at my phone or um <laughs> i'm scared this movie's going to make me sad and i can't be sad right now so i'm just not going to finish it like with fallen angels that's why i haven't watched final fallen angels because i know that should sure. probably destroy me um so i was like i need to commit myself to finally watching 2046 so i brought it on the show and um well what you think of this particular motion picture here no e-marker
1: so here's my here's my journey with 2046 are you ready for this i wrote i down, can't wait i wrote down notes because it was kind of a uh it was a mess watching this was kind of a mess and not because of the movie itself although i do have some thoughts about the movie but this was my this was my literal journey of watching this movie because it's on prime in the united states it's a really awful transfer it looks like dog shit but it is on prime (laughs) and i was i'm glad you said that because the reason you watch a Wong Kar Wai movie is to look at beautiful images (laughs) i know and the and the scan is fucking shitty dude it's pillar boxed and letterboxed, it's like barely it doesn't take up your entire screen i don't know why
0: it looks so bad it's it's frankly embarrassing um that it looks that bad and it's not streaming on criterion yet so for the time being i don't know if it will be streaming on criterion i don't know why i said that like i know anything but (laughs) if you want to watch it it's on prime and i think you should know going ahead in ahead of time looks like absolute fucking shit looks no good it's a disservice to the hard work that everyone put into this movie during the SARS-3 pandemic
1: Noah what was
0: was your journey with this fucking
1: movie No, well, I'm glad you said that because it's true like you should be we should be watching the movie in its best fucking quality maybe that's the only scan that we have access to but I can't wrap my head around that being the truth I don't know Amazon's not wanting for money uh, and so if it's on Prime, you would think they would have access to the best version that's available of it. But yeah, right. it looks like trash. Uh, the scan does, it, at least. Not the actual film. The scan, the transfer, looks like garbage. Uh, <laughs> I'm really glad you brought that up because I that really bothered me as well. So here's my journey of watching this movie. It's about 7, 15, 7.30 Pacific Standard Time. Open up Prime. I start the movie. It's beaming to the TV. I'm anxious to watch the movie because I sort of have like a hit or miss vibe from Wong Kar Wai, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of overall. And Mason, (laughs) I pulled a Noah and I fell asleep watching (laughs) this movie, uh, but not because I didn't like it, but because that is what I do. I just fall asleep watching shit, even though it wasn't that late at night. I will just sometimes get into a mode where I fall asleep watching shit. It's a complete tangent, but when I was a little kid, my dad took me to go see The Bourne Ultimatum in theaters, and I had no interest (laughs) in watching The Bourne Ultimatum, but he really wanted to see it in theaters, and I was, like, a kid. And so he's like, I'm going to take you to see The Bourne Ultimatum, and I was like, okay, well, you have to Uh, buy me fucking popcorn and, you know, soda or whatever. And I barely dug into any of the – he likes to tell this story because it's embarrassing. I literally – fucking fell asleep 15 minutes into the born ultimatum wow. in the theater. Wow. And he tried to wake me up. I would wake up and then I would just fall back asleep. And unlike 2046, the born ultimatum is an action movie. You know, yeah, it's very loud. Yeah. It's super loud. It's colorful, you know, or maybe not colorful, but there's a lot of shit flashing on the screen. And my dad's like, oh, this kid will wake up. And I slept through the rest of the fucking movie In theaters, and so I kind of do have a superpower when it comes to falling asleep during movies if I really want to. So usually it has nothing to do with whether the movie's any good or not that I fall asleep. But I fell asleep during 2046, and I woke up, (laughs) and the movie was over. (laughs) It was the fucking menu screen for Prime, and I'm like, fuck, dude. I don't want to watch that. (laughs) I don't want to watch that again. So I go back in, but I'm like, I have to for the pod. And so uh, I go and watch, try and watch the second hour of the movie, just cold, like yeah. with being as having been asleep. And I got so fucking bored because I didn't know what was going on. I looked at my phone for like 30 minutes while the movie was happening. Then I watched an episode of Survivor <laughs> because I was like, I don't want to finish watching 2046. I'm like, I'm going to get by on the pod. I'm going to ask Mason a lot of questions without having, like, really watched the movie, basically. Yeah. Um. And so I watched an episode of Survivor, season 28. You can listen to the Jake Ellenbogen episode of uh of My, My favorite, favorite Podcast. podcast. Uh, we're talking about Survivor. And then I was like, I have to watch this movie again. So I started it from 30 minutes onward basically and I watched the ni- basically 90 minutes of the movie it's a 2 gotcha, hour movie yeah. with some change so I had a really fucked up experience watching this movie wow. Mason and I have to tell you even though I basically watched this movie two times I don't know actually what happens in any that, of the storylines.
0: That is my, I had to do a heavy Wikipedia plot summary reading when this was done. Like the movie ended, I was in my room and I was like, cool, great. I finished the movie. I went to pee, get some water. <laughs> and I was like, I fi- I liked that movie a lot. And I wrote down like, just like my kind of immediate reaction to it. And then I was like, but what happened? And so I yeah. read the Wikipedia 'Cause here's the thing. I with Trunking Express and with In the Mood for Love, those are very art like In the Mood for Love is a very art- artistically done movie. Like there is um yes. it's it's you watch that and you're like, okay, yes, film is an art form. We get it Juan Carwai, we get it, you're a freshman in film in film school freshman in film school. We understand. It's a very accessible movie for how beautiful it is. Um, it's very simple. It's just two people whose um, whose spouses fall in love with each other, and they have a relationship based off of that. And it's a it's it's a will they won't they for the ages, folks. So that if sure. you haven't seen In the Mood for Love, uh, I do would actually recommend that movie. This, which I didn't know going into, and didn't know until the movie was over, <laughs> is an yeah. unofficial sequel and the third of a trilogy with this yep. film in the mood for love and days of being wild which i have never seen never seen days of being Same. wild and so the movie starts the movie starts and it's the characters from days of being wild and there, there's two people talking like they know each other and i'm like am i supposed to know if they know each other or not i don't know what's going yeah. on and then the movie keeps going and you're like okay um uh tony long is in an apartment He's obsessed with this woman who lives in this room. He writes a story about trying to get, like, a, just about the women that come into his life and the, his relationship to that room. It's, like, idealized place and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, cool. Very good subject matter. I love being in the world of this thing. But I couldn't tell you the plot of it. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough cookie to crack, even though I, I am happy that I watched
1: it still yeah. um i'm actually i think we're more on the same page than i thought we were gonna be and i do think this is only my third Wong car Y as of this recording i'm literally going to get off this call with you i'm gonna put my files where they're supposed to go and i'm gonna watch happy together on the criterion channel yeah so this will have been my third of four Wong car wise by the time this comes out but i have a feeling he's he's a kind of director where you either fuck with what he's doing or you don't fuck with what he's doing. That's kind of the impression that I get from this guy having a very limited view of what he's actually done. And I feel very, maybe the most mixed I've ever felt about something that we've talked about on this show before because this movie is so romantic. You just get a romance from this movie in all the different storylines that are being interconnected but it's so fucking confusing that you are playing catch-up the entire time. Maybe you're someone who that doesn't matter for. Not you specifically, Mason, but an audience member, right, someone right, who's watching right. this movie. Maybe you're someone where that just isn't a thing for you and you don't care about that and you're just kind of along for the vibe, I guess, for more lack of a better term. This, that probably will not bother you then. You'll probably really dig this movie. If you like to kind of know what's going on and also be along for the vibe... You probably won't know what's going on in this movie. Yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel very mixed and very split on this movie, and I'm actually thought you were not going to be split. I thought you were going to be like, "Here we fucking go, baby." The you know, like, Let's right, go. right, PNG. Yeah. So I'm actually glad to hear that we're a little bit more on the same page. But what are your thoughts on all this?
0: Um, no, I agree with you, and I think that. Um... I think that the two movies that we have both seen before this are very good, just sort of like beginner foreign, like if we want to call it international cinema, like, you know, and stuff that's not like, you know, your rules of the game or something, or, or even a Tokyo story. I don't know. I'd recommend Tokyo story, I think to most people. Um, But I think like I could recommend, I think chunking express to, like a younger cousin or something or maybe my sister i could try to talk her into it or like just a friend of mine who like likes movies but isn't like deep into it like you or yeah, i someone or who's other... willing
1: to explore
0: yeah someone who's like i you know i need something to watch what's a good what's a movie that you can recommend and i'd be like oh you know probably chunking express you'd like you know it's a uh, it's uh from hong kong it's in cantonese i believe uh you know um there is some you know there is some reading and there's some reading
1: involved (laughs) you've got to read the movie you know okay Um, yeah you got to read the movie you got to be a bitch at the office you got to tell everyone i read a movie last (laughs) night everyone i read a movie you're not gonna like reading it but i did you know uh
0: exactly but
1: um uh that being said I I
0: think on that kind of spectrum I fall more on the fucks with him side just because like even though I didn't get more than 15 minutes into like the Grandmaster and I was really interested in watching the Grandmaster because he was nominated for an Academy Award movie for it and it looks like a kind of like kung fu movie and I'm like I want to see what Wong Kar Wai is making a kung fu movie like and I started watching the first 15 minutes and I watched it on a DVD it's kind of the same this looks like dog shit, man. And I had no (laughs) obligation to finish watching the movie, So I just stopped watching it. There's also a lot of discussion about like, I think like turn of the century, like uh, Chinese and Southeast Asian politics or something like that. And I'm just like,
1: I really need to be in a
0: different place for this than my apartment in Los Angeles on my uncomfortable futon, you know? Um, Yeah. So, but that being said, like, even after watching this, it kind of lit a fire under my ass, and I'm like, maybe I should give Happy Together the time. Maybe I should finally see Days of Being wild. Um, that, all of that being said, though, this particular movie that is the subject for discussion today, I agree with you. I'm a little kind of um on it. Um, it totally. Like, I'm, like, really glad that I watched it, um, and I'm, you know, kind of happy that I ticked it off, like, the old the old list there. Uh, But just in terms of just like recommending it, I'm like, nah, don't, don't start with this here. You know, if you haven't seen it, probably if you haven't seen it and you like Wong Kar Wai, I would say definitely, um, because you'll probably get you, you will get from the experience what you want to get out of it. Um, but it's not it's something- definitely
1: not the movie you start with long right, You definitely exactly. start with in the mood for love or Chunking express and then when you decide okay mason picked this movie or technically i picked this movie in theory for the podcast and you have to watch it you're like okay i guess but dude i was i was like what actually what is happening right now because yeah, me too. <laughs> things that there are things that happen sometimes in movies like inherent vice where you're like what is happening in inherent vice but that's almost the fun, quote-unquote, of Inherent Vice, where are right. like, what the fuck am I watching? Is this a shaggy dog tale? Is actually any of this happening for real? But then there's something like 2046, which is a romance film and also a science fiction film. I think that's also something that's- Yeah, really
0: there's like a now. little inner text with
1: um, uh, Tony Long's character, Chow,
0: is writing um, a science fiction story set in the year 2046 about a city called 2046 and everyone's trying to get to 2046 and one man's trying to get out of 2046 and that's kind of nice to have because like that was a very good sort of like um checkpoint most
1: grounding you get exactly
0: yeah yeah. like it's nice that you the movie is so much this it's it's it has this device so that you know the main characters like kind of interior like kind of interior life and you can kind of get yeah. grounded with that and kind of look to that as like kind of a guidepost and be like, okay, I see that coming in the distance. It's going to help me understand what's going on around here. But the rest of the movie, I'm just like, she's coming in, she's coming out and there are they, there's prostitutes. They're fucking other people. They're together. They're not together. What's going on. That's fine. It's romantic. It all seems very dramatic. It's all happening at Christmas. There's Nat King Cole going on in this movie. Yeah. It's
1: a Christmas movie. That's what's so so awesome. Is is 2046 a Christmas movie? Go off in the replies. I'm just imagining like uh, being
0: at home with my family or something. And they're like, we've watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We've watched
1: Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Like, Mason, why don't you pick the Christmas movie? And I'm like, have I got the film for you? And I put on 2046. (laughs) And they're like, sorry, it looks like complete fucking horse shit, even though that's kind of the reason you're watching a Wong Kar Wai movie in the first place. Don't know why that is. It's uh, really you frustrating. you can find a better scan of this movie elsewhere other than Amazon Prime, this podcast did not tell you, wink, wink, to go seek that out, wink, wink. Right. Because, you know, uh, it looks like dog shit on Amazon <laughs> Prime. But, dude, yeah, this is a very this is a very interesting watch. I would say it's a Total Vibes movie at the end of the day because there are like little like flourishes and little like fragments of this movie that on their own without any context for what is going on because if you can actually follow the actual narrative of anything that's going on in this movie you are a genius you deserve to be in Mensa you deserve to work at you know Facebook or whatever yeah Uh, get paid a million dollars a year to do absolutely fucking nothing Uh, you know so you can follow the narrative of what's going on in here good for you I would say for most people this is going to be a vibes thing. So, get the best scan you can, uh get some popcorn, get a drink that you like to drink and just vibe out because there's moments yeah. in this movie that are just absolutely fucking stunning, you know. I yeah, remember this yeah. moment where I think it's again, I can't tell you where in the movie it is cuz it all fucking blurs together, but it's a moment where one of the characters is talking to a call girl, and they like arbitrarily agree to pay like ten dollars or whatever yeah. to the call girl. And then the man leaves the frame. It's a deep fo- or it's not a deep focus shot. It's a shallow. Fo- it's a shallow depth of field shot. The man walks out of frame, and we're just on the call girl. And all of a sudden, like one tear just like rolls down her yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you get little moments of serendipity and you know serenity in the movie from little moments like that. But it's t- it's a tough watch. I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you, Mason. I'm not gonna lie to you, listeners. This is a little bit of a tough watch. Yeah. But if it sounds like it's up your alley, you'll be worth it more in sp- in spades. But yeah, uh, yeah. I'll just preemptively give it a conditional wreck, big time conditional wreck on this one. Yeah, this one is a this
0: isn't one is a strong conditional wreck. Just because I'm like, you know, it is it is a strong conditional wreck. Just because I want to recommend Juan Car Wai just in general. I think if you haven't seen a movie of his and you're just kind of like, I need uh you know something sad or just you know something I can just fucking vibe with or I'm just interested in expanding my horizons I think Wong kar is kind of a good guy to start with personally um and at least Chunking Express this particular movie though no nah, it's only it's only for the for the, the true heads out there though uh do you have a MVP to give
1: I do but should I give fast facts before yeah why not uh it took four years to complete this film During that time, production was closed because of the SARS, it says epidemic, so maybe it wasn't quite as big as a pandemic, but the SARS epidemic in March of 2003 that was occurring in Asia. Uh, Each character speaks their own languages. Mr. Chow speaks Cantonese, Biling speaks Mandarin, and Tak speaks Japanese, even when talking to each other. Even so, they seem to understand each other perfectly. So that's sort of the sci-fi element at play here. you know. And I will say... The actual like premise of this movie, the grounding premise of this movie of sci-fi writer trying to get over his love, so he writes three different love stories that all are ultimately about him and his lost love. Yeah, that's a great premise for. Yeah, a movie, yeah, you know. yeah.
0: It's very affecting. I mean, like when I could get a handle on what was going on, I was uh, into it. I was like, okay, this this narrative is wrapping up nicely. I think, especially with the Fei Wong character, um, his assistant that he needs. Uh, The third person that he um, becomes interested writes a story about. I really like where that particular story ends up. I thought that was very, very touching. The one with the the um, the gynoid, not the android, because an android is a a male robot. Very silly that we give binaries to robots, but the uh, uh, anyways the uh, the gynoid robot um, on the train to or from 2046. I thought that that was a very sweet resolution to that,
1: and I liked it. Definitely the story that stands out the most because it literally takes place in a different time and in a different li- literal setting than everything yeah. else.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, like I said, There's it's there.
1: nice to have that so it can be like, what's going on? Oh, this basically?
0: Great. Let's keep going. Uh,
1: 2046 is the number of the hotel room in In the Mood for Love in which Chow Mo Wan uh, and Su Li Zhen meet to write their kung fu novel, Serial. It is the number of the hotel room occupied by Lulu and later by Ling at the Oriental Hotel, while Mo Wan's room number is 2047. Mm. If that means absolutely nothing to you, watch the movie. It probably will still mean nothing to you, but it will mean a little bit to you. Uh, the year 2046-2046 has its own significance for Hong Kong, as it is 49 years after the handover of Hong Kong by the British on July 1st, 1997. At the time of the handover, the mainland government promised 50 years of self-regulation for the former British colony. The year 2046 references the moment before Hong Kong's special self-regulated status ends. So there's a little bit of Eastern history for you guys. Yeah, there you go. yeah, very, uh, yeah very interesting. The title may also be a reference to the Twilight Zone episode, The Lonely, about a man sentenced to solitary confinement on a distant asteroid beginning in the year 2046, 2046. The isolated, intimate inmate falls in love with a gynoid that was delivered to keep him company. Literally a gynoid. The plot structure parallels some of the science fiction motifs in 2046. This is probably my favorite fast fact because it's so crazy. The print for Cannes Film Festival arrived three hours before the delayed premiere, escorted by police. It is the first film in the history of the Cannes Film Festival's history to arrive so late that they had to do reschedulings. That is a baller ass movie if you ask me. That is
0: really baller. That's a that's some big dick shit. Um, yeah, that's great.
1: While 2046-2046 was being filmed, a, photography from, a photographer from Sun and Weekly, a Hong Kong tabloid, bribed his way onto set. After his pictures of the interior of the Oriental Hotel were published, Wong Kar Wai ordered the set to be rebuilt, and the photographer was subsequently sentenced to three months jail wow. for corruption. Isn't wow. that crazy? Yeah, wow. You can go to jail for taking pictures. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah, bro! Honestly, big ups for that. Yeah. Uh, my Mercedes valuable player is twofold. It's not really a co MVP Mercedes valuable player thing because it's basically the same world that we're living in. But the use of music in this film and the composer Shigeru Umebayashi are probably my Mercedes valuable players yeah. for this film. Great use of music. Uh, that are like little pieces of uh, what I guess would be non diegetic or I guess technically it's either – it's, it's at times diegetic and at times non-diegetic. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, But like pop songs or like other pieces of music that aren't score. The use of that in the movie and then also the score in the movie is also really, really nice. That might be because it just – I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So when I heard a nice piece of music, I was like, nice. I can appreciate that for what it is. But that's my Mercedes valuable player. Mason, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give mine to Christopher Doyle.
0: Um... Nice. Yeah, I just, it just I, in my mind, there is a perfect version of this movie, the four K that's definitely coming from Criterion, the nice new scan making this thing look nice and proper. Uh, yeah. Beautiful, you know, lush world. Still, um, even though the transfer is awful, some of there's the in it's it's decayed a little bit. But you can tell what they're going for, and I'm still just like, oh fuck, man, uh, so cool. So the look of these movies is so um is so uh important these one car wise the look of one car my wise movies are so important and it's uh him and christopher doyle are just a, a dream collaboration and so up to christopher doyle for making this thing look um fucking incredible that even a bad transfer to amazon uh couldn't prevent me from still thinking it was beautiful
1: so i think that's it dude i think we Hell did yeah. the show again we did the
0: show again. There were some technical difficulties, but um, nothing as awful as the Cursed episode, so show's <laughs> coming out. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send an email to everybody wants to. Everybody wants to, the number two get on the list at gmail.com. You can check us out at the links in the description and the link tree in the description. I am Mason. I am also the co-host of The Barn, a podcast about Shields. I am also on Letterboxd under my name, where I have given In the Mood for Love five stars. And I am uh, also uh, just out and about and uh, wheeling and dealing and uh, smoking a token and just being a chill guy and hanging out. Noah, what's up with you? I'm on Instagram at really, Hot I Talk just, to
1: Vicky. Noah, Noah, what's up with you? I just realized the reason why you say that sometimes at the end of the show that you're just out and about. And I'm going to tell you off mic why I think you say that. But All right. You know little 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 treat for you and me little just little just chef's kiss for you and me for after we go off the air right. but i think i know why you say that uh as always i am noah marjorie i'm the other host of this show i'm the funny talking baby you can listen to my other podcast my favorite podcast a podcast about people's favorite things i already mentioned that this past week jake ellenbogen's episode about survivor came out this coming week you can listen to my episode let's see is that going to be the case Yes. Okay. Good. I want to make sure. Sometimes I get a little fucked up in my head when certain episodes are coming out. You can listen to my episode with Chloe Aguirre, uh, filmmaker Chloe Aguirre. We will be talking about mysticism, manifesting, astrology, and psychic abilities.
0: Oh, I want to hear this. This sounds really cool.
1: So, so, haven't recorded that yet. Don't know how that's going to go. I'm a little scared for that episode. Uh, because I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I yeah. know absolutely fucking nothing.
0: Yeah, be sure to follow me on the pattern when she sets it up for you, dude. I can't wait.
1: <laughs> so yeah, so that you can listen to that episode when it comes out. And uh, letterbox, Instagram, all that shit, YLG, it's all in the fucking link tree. Just go look there. Uh, my other little recommendo for the week, go to YouTube.com, type in very ape, V-E-R-Y space A-P-E, Go to that YouTube channel. Watch whatever looks interesting. I would personally recommend Florida Man on there. And also American Juggalo. That's what I would recommend, but uh, everything on that channel is good. So that's my little other recommendo for the week. Mason, bring us out.
0: Black Lives Matter. Black Trans Lives Matter. Defund. Abolish the police. Fuck Donald Trump. Save the United States Postal Service. Tell someone you love them. And we will see you all next time.
1: Bye-bye. Three men who, when standing side by side, have a wingspan over twelve feet. That